Welcome to the Internal Medicine for Vet Techs podcast. If you haven't joined us before, we're passionate about all things internal medicine and helping you become the best tech you can be. We'll be discussing interesting internal medicine diseases, how to work closely with pet parents, and how to become the go-to tech in your practice. Now, let's start the show. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to the Internal Medicine for Vet Techs podcast. I hope everybody is doing well. Thank you so much for listening and making a commitment to learning. I am one of your hosts. I am Jordan Porter, joined by the early riser, Yvonne Brandenburg. <laughs> it's a little early for me this morning, just so that um, we could get this done. So if I sound sleepy, that's why. It's like you've been busy all week or something. I know. <laughs> what? Yeah. <laughs> oh gosh that's okay it's totally fine yeah I mean being busy is good I guess makes time go by yeah yeah it's been a crazy couple of weeks actually yeah okay I'm I'm looking forward to not having to go in clinic next week that is actually very exciting because the last two weeks I've been in clinic so that just it just makes it a lot harder to get anything else done Um, oh yeah so Cause like you do little things around the house when you work from home, like, you know, you can do like a load of dishes or like sweep or like, yeah, well, and that, and like the commute, like that's a huge game changer. Cause, um, right. Cause you're driving pretty far right now. Right. Yeah. So it depends on which clinic I have to go to. It's either a 20 minute, half an hour commute, or if I go to the other clinic, it can be anywhere from an hour to an hour and 45 minutes one way. So this week was the hour and 45 minutes. Um, yeah. So I'd have to like leave my house by latest six 30, latest six 30 to get there by eight. And then I'm off at four and I don't get home until like almost six so it kind of sucks so you're gone 12 hours a day yeah 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 so instead of you know an eight hour day it's a 12 hour day plus then I have my stuff on Friday that like I have to catch up from everything else in the week so answer all those emails that I didn't get to handle and then there's a million meetings on Fridays yeah I am not a fan (laughs) of going to the other clinic if I have to um, I mean, I'll do it because, you know, I'm not going to be a jerk and be like, no, but yeah. it is definitely not my preference of locations. Um, I like the people down there just fine. It's just the commute. Like if I don't yeah. have to, I'd prefer not to. Cause you know, my normal commute is like a two minute walk out my front door, up some steps to my desk. So yeah, I, I prefer that commute. <laughs> so it's a, it's a stark difference. <laughs> right yeah that it is yeah yeah I don't really go anywhere ever (laughs) the grocery store I actually did run a lot of errands my days off this week yeah I was trying to find soccer cleats for Bailey and um has she done soccer before is she trying this for the first time so she kind of did soccer before like we played it for one season like years ago like before uh like while we were doing gymnastics, but before we were like really into gymnastics. So she was probably like four or five when we did soccer last. Like it's been okay. a minute. Okay. Okay. So she's basically so, starting from scratch. I mean, really. Yeah. Like yeah. she doesn't really know the basics. Like she just went into tryouts. And I was like, so I told her this morning, I was like, listen, like, hey, if you don't make the team, I was like, 
we shouldn't be upset about it because like we didn't prepare really like this was one of those things where we're just like hey soccer tryouts are tomorrow let's go do them right and, uh, <laughs> and so I told her I was like I'm very proud of you for just trying something outside your comfort level and like just trying something new you know and actually like going for it because she's been yeah. kind of tryouts like tryouts for three days and she's like I love it like I'm having so much fun like I think I'm doing all right but she'll also admit that like areas she's not good at you know like the fundamentals mm. of soccer like dribbling and what else did she say yesterday she's like I'm not really good at dribbling and I'm not really good at passing and I was like well <laughs> I was like again if we don't really make the team like I'm proud of you yeah yeah that's um, hard if you've never really done it to to try to learn it and well and it'd be different yeah. if we had more than like two rainy days to prepare for it like that was yeah. really bad like I coached her soccer team originally so it's like I could prepare her I just I dropped the ball. No, you didn't know she wanted to do it. <laughs> you did not drop the ball. Girl didn't know that the ball or didn't tell you that the ball was even coming at you. Like this morning again, I really need to learn how I can't rely on like an 11 year old to tell me things. Cause like <laughs> two or three weeks ago, she's like, Hey, by the way, I signed us up to bring gummy worms to this ice cream party we're having. And I was like, okay, well like definitely remind me closer to, and then this morning, this morning this child tells me she's like today's gummy worm day yep (laughs) we didn't get the gummy worms for the ice cream party today and I was like when was the last time you told me about this ice cream party Bailey and she was like uh you know when I first signed up for it a few weeks ago and I was like Bailey (laughs) I was like tell your teacher I'm sorry (laughs) because it's like I'm working today too so I can't even like run to the store and like go get some and drop them off in time yeah so anyway life lessons bummer yeah so anyway but I'm like you're getting ice cream you don't you guys don't need gummy worms you're fine yeah you're fine yeah um anyway so we do have CE coming up in February we're doing our blood transfusions webinar again on Saturday February 25th 2023 Mm -hmm. if you would like to get an invite just join the newsletter at internalmedicineforvettex.com or you can also join if you are not a member of the membership membership that we have. <laughs> um, and so you can go to internalmedicineforvettex.com slash events and you can see there uh, our monthly webinars that we do as well as some other things that Yvonne and I are doing like some, you know, just minor conferences we're going to. <laughs> yeah, I was working on trying to keep it updated. And so we'll we'll post any of the conferences that we'll be at, whether they're virtual or live. Um, I'll make sure to get those up there. And, and so we can, um, you know, make sure that if, if you guys are either there or want to see what conferences we'll be at this year. And I don't know if you want to go to a conference just because of us you can that would be really weird I'm just assuming you're going to go to that conference and want to know for there that's that's my assumption so <laughs> right <sighs> um nope. surprisingly this week I, <laughs> we've had this podcast for how long and we've never talked about chemical cough I, I yeah I don't know why like I well we've touched I think it's on it it's like it's it's internal medicine right but like this is handled in GP like it's not oh yeah yeah <laughs> something that Usually if we get it, it's because it's, it's one of the tough ones you can't get rid of. (laughs) Yeah. Like it's progressed to something else. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Um, so 
a lot of times I'm just going to kind of dive right in. I don't know. I got a lot of information on this, but it's kennel cough, right? Like we all pretty well know kennel cough. <laughs> right. Yeah. So I'm going to go over the gist of kennel cough. Of course, if anybody has any questions, reach out. Um, but what kennel cough is, is technically it's a tracheobronchitis. So it's irritation or inflammation of the trachea, the trachea specifically, as well as like the upper bronchi. It's not like a, it is technically a lower airway disease, but <laughs> it's not as low in the chest as, as some may think, uh, because I, we were originally going to call this episode Bordetella, uh, but technically kennel cough can be caused by like a number of different pathogens and not just specifically the Bordetella. Um, and so now I've learned that it's being referred to more frequently as canine infectious respiratory disease complex or CIRDC. Kennel cough is easier. Yeah. Yeah way easier. So, um, but when we think of the definition though, because, because we're really treating a tracheobronchitis that describes like the location of infection. So this is going to be the trachea and the bronchial tubes. As I said, there can be many different pathogens, including the Bordetella, uh, canine parainfluenza can cause this canine adenovirus can cause this and then less likely less likely but can be canine distemper virus that we're going to see this tracheobronchitis from so bordetella though is usually the primary pathogen especially when we're talking about our dogs that are younger so less than six months old but it along with some other bacteria can cause secondary infections after this viral attack on the, on the respiratory system. Mm -hmm. So we can get co-infections with Bordetella as well. Uh, canine parainfluenza virus and canine adenovirus are most common, but a lot of times when we're treating a quote unquote kennel cough, it is going to be due to like a gram negative organism. Yeah. And I think that's, that's kind of an important part to remember is Bordetella is Bordetella is a bacteria mm -hmm. versus parainfluenza and adenovirus. Like they're both viruses. So that kind of, um, how we treat them are going to be differently because bacteria we treat with antibiotics versus viruses. We typically let run their course. Um, and so that's, that's sometimes hard for clients to understand. Um, so a lot of times, because of that co-infection, that's why they get started on antibiotics, um, just to make sure that there isn't that, you know, like, so the, the other ones that, that they can, the other bacteria, so there's Pseudomonas, E. coli, and Klebsiella, um, those ones potentially could be present too. So um, a lot of times that's why we're treating with antibiotics, which, you know, client brains kind of go, what? It's not just but... one thing. But we're going to get into this a little yeah. bit. A lot of times when we're treating what we suspect is kennel cough, like we don't pull for antibiotics right away because mm -hmm. we don't know if it's a viral component versus a bacterial component, right? So we have to kind of go off of the symptoms and ideally we're going to talk about it. Ideally yeah. there could be additional diagnostics done before just prescribing antibiotics. hundred um, percent. 
Kennel cough, though, specifically is a very contagious virus, as I'm sure everybody listening knows. They it, it transmits very easily simply through just like easy contact, like sniffing each other when on a walk, playing, sharing water or food dishes, <laughs> sharing toys. These are all uh, aerosolized. Yeah. Which is why they're uh, coughing. <laughs> Of course, we're going to have more um, exposure in kennels or shelters or even at the vet clinic as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, Anywhere where there might be multiple young dogs too. Mm -hmm. Um, And then two, we need to be aware though as well that oftentimes pets are going to be more susceptible to developing kennel cough when they're in times of like stress, uh, sometimes cold temperatures can do it, exposure to dust or smoke, and then crowded conditions too, because all of those factors can suppress the respiratory system, right? Like if, if your immune system, yeah. Yeah. If a pet's exposed to like heavy, heavy fragrances as well can really kind of put a strain on the respiratory tract as well and cause Mm. irritation that can then make us more susceptible to picking up a virus such as kennel cough or bacteria. So, um, but yes, stress can definitely play a role, even proper, like improper nutrition. So when we see stray dogs, right, Mm -hmm. you know, you know how many cases we see where like someone has just adopted a dog from a shelter, they were fine in the shelter, but then as soon as they get home, like a day goes by and then they start coughing, right? Like it is a stressful situation being adopted. (laughs) Like, Yeah. And sometimes that moving homes can just suppress the immune system enough to let allow symptoms to really show as they kind of settle and then they can even relapse in stressful situations too so they could be battling mm-hmm. kennel cough and be almost cleared of it and then be boarded or go and get groomed or uh, family comes to town or family goes out of town and then that's a stressful situation and that can actually trigger a relapse as well so as we kind of already touched on Pretty much any dog, any age can be affected, but we are prone to seeing puppies more affected and puppies tend to get more severe disease, of course, because they have a not a strong immune system as our adult dogs do. So they they are more prone to worsened symptoms. <laughs> right. So illness can spread pretty quickly though, especially like in close confinement. So again, as I already said, those veterinary hospitals, daycare, boarding facilities, kennels, parks, playgrounds. Um, But a lot of times it is a mild infection. It's really self-limiting the majority of the time, meaning that a pet will just battle it and, and it'll clear on its own. But it can progress to bronchopneumonia, specifically in puppies or chronic bronchitis if we have a like an older, more debilitated dog. So what we'll see, though, is there's like a, a classic sound, right? The like the honking cough is a lot of times <laughs> describes. And then sometimes that can be followed by retching or gagging. Um, sometimes they'll vomit quote unquote vomit white foam mm-hmm. or they're coughing up white foam and then a lot of times too because it's a tracheobronchitis right we have inflammation and irritation to the trachea specifically so even gentle pressure on the larynx or the trachea via a collar with a leash just palpating that can usually elicit a cough of some sort 
And then when we kind of get into the more severe side of the disease process itself, we can see things, we can see fever, of course, right? Because the body is battling something. We can see nasal discharge, and this can be green or yellow. We can see depression and anorexia. And then, of course, we can see a productive cough. And when we get a lot more of those more severe signs, like a fever and nasal discharge, productive cough, we're going to be leaning more towards a bronchial pneumonia versus just a simple kennel cough, right? A simple right. bronchitis, because then it has worked its way deeper into the lungs. Yeah. So oftentimes, and this is the kicker that clients don't really understand either though, too, is like, <laughs> yeah. although kennel cough doesn't last too terribly long, like I, the disease can persist for 10 to 20 days, but the, the cough itself can actually last several weeks after the infection. Mm-hmm. So that is just kind of a client communication thing that we need to talk to them about that. Although, because like, that's the thing that too, right. Is people will come back to the vet and be like, I definitely need antibiotics. My dog is still coughing. And it's like, well, if they're coughing less, like that's, that's normal. As long as they continue to cough less and less over the couple of weeks. But it's just like when we have a cold, my son got sick, what, like two weeks ago, he's still coughing. <laughs> so yeah. you have the irritation and stuff that's still there. And, and so it's just a matter of the inflammation and the irritation just needs to calm down and it just needs time. Yeah, exactly. Well, and we have to remember too, right? Like dogs don't, they, it's hard enough as a human for me to be like, I know I shouldn't cough. Like the more I cough, the more irritation there is. Right. Like, Mm. so I do try to like inhibit myself from coughing when I'm sick, but it's hard. Right. So like, think of a, like a dog's not going to be like, Oh, I should probably stop coughing (laughs) (laughs) to reduce my irritation. So it's kind of that vicious cycle. Like if the more they cough, the more irritation there's going to be and the longer it's going to take for it to kind of dissipate. But kennel cough symptoms can develop five to 10 days after exposure. And then usually the severity of symptoms will kind of go away after the first five days, but the disease itself can last 10 to 20 days. And then, like I said, the cough will last several weeks. When it comes to differential diagnosis, uh, oh, all the covalence. <laughs> yeah, I was like, aside from all the things that can cause kennel cough alone, technically, then we should we should also be concerned about any congenital or chronic heart conditions that might happen. Right? Um, we allergies can play a role, asthma any respiratory issue, right? So depending on the breed, like if it's a brachycephalic, then we might have to suspect brachycephalic airway issues. We can suspect, I don't know, pulmonary hypertension. We can suspect all the things until we actually get some diagnostics done. And then diagnostics, of course, we're going to do a comprehensive chem and CBC and look for signs of infection, right? Like if we're going to have an elevated white count, then we're more likely dealing with a pneumonia aspect versus just a simple kennel cough. With simple kennel cough, we do still recommend doing x-rays, chest x-rays. So a lot of times though, these pets, if, especially if they only, only have a cough, right. They don't have any other symptoms like a fever, lethargy, anorexia, none of that, just a simple cough. Otherwise they feel all right. A lot of times their x-rays are going to be normal and that's what we want to look for, right? Like in Mm -hmm. order to help diagnose kennel cough, we want to look for that normal chest and we want to rule out things like pneumonia or heart issues. If 
a pet does have pneumonia, then we're going to see some evidence of alve uh, alveolar disease. And that, like I said, that just means that the, the process has progressed into a true pneumonia. Realistically, this doesn't get done very often in practice just because these PCR tests can be pricey, expensive, but yeah. a, a nasopharyngeal or a tracheal swab should be taken to test uh, just for the different types of bacteria to see what really we are treating. Like if we're treating a virus versus bacteria, right? Because that can alter our plan a little bit. And yeah, I feel uh, like this is where the internal medicine department comes in is those patients that kind of went through like the normal kennel cough treatments and, and diagnostics and stuff. And it's just persistent and mm -hmm. like, they're having trouble getting rid of it. And so that's when it like comes to us and, and we definitely recommend the PCR and then, yeah. you know, we may recommend a bronchial lavage because it's like, okay, <clears throat> this is, this is where we're at. It's not, you know, you've done your normal round of antibiotics, you've done your normal like time and all that stuff, and it's not going away. Um, so sometimes we'll do the bronchial alveolar lavage. Um, and we've seen some cases where it's, it's just in the trachea and it's mm -hmm. the trachea doesn't have that same, um, perfusion, like the rest of the lungs. So if we're doing antibiotics, it doesn't get there sometimes. So it's like, you know, we might have to do nebulized stuff or, you know, but yeah. that's, but that's, those cases are pretty rare. <laughs> well, I feel like, like most of them are like pretty straightforward, but the, those ones are like the weird ones that come to us. So, you know, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like those ones are usually ones that like, there's maybe some other underlying like immune suppressed like condition, right. Or this yeah. is progressed something much further than just kennel cough mm -hmm. without typical bacteria or viruses. Uh, unless it's distemper, then I imagine, well, that's a bigger problem than <laughs> just the <laughs> cough aspect of having distemper. We've had some Bordetellas that were kind of funky and just like would not get out of their system. And it was like, it was just in their trachea. And so it just didn't penetrate very well. Um, and then when we get the, the um, nebulized antibiotics, it worked way better, which was crazy. I mean, it makes sense, right? Like, I feel like it's like a topical for the trachea. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like bacteria. Here you go. Here's the antibiotics. <laughs> yeah. And then the bacteria is like, no, <laughs> you found us. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> like best hide and seek game ever. Right. <laughs> like you got away with it for four weeks, but we found you. <laughs> yeah. The other ones that, that internal medicine deals with are those dogs that get the tracheal stents because <laughs> because you've got some you've got a foreign object in the trachea right and now they're just more prone to having bacteria settle there and those well, ones and suck. In general, right yeah. like yeah it's yeah. just oh i never want to do it <laughs> you're like no not the not the tracheal stent <laughs> yeah um, so treatment is going to vary, right? So mm -hmm. ideally these guys were not going to really want to start antimicrobial therapy unless it's indicated by some sort of culture and sensitivity. It shouldn't be the first line of defense no. <laughs> really, because again, it, this is usually a self-limiting 
thing. And that's hard for members to, or for clients to understand, yeah. which is funny. So when I went to the doctor for my eye ulcer, um, they had so many signs all over the room that I'm assuming this must be a huge thing in, in human medicine, obviously too, right? Like where it was like talking about antibiotic resistance. And mm. like, I took a picture of this like thing that like the sign that they had on the back of the door of like common respiratory ailments and when antibiotics are recommended versus when they're not. So it oh, was interesting. Like, yeah. So it was like common cold, like no antibiotics. It's a virus. It needs to run its course, blah, blah, blah. Antibiotics aren't going to help. And it was talking about how if we just throw antibiotics at things, we create antibiotic resistance. And then so like sinus infections, it said, maybe it might be self-limiting. If it's not, then we might try antibiotics. Right. But it's not yeah. always like and then it was like pneumonia, definitely, definitely need antibiotics for pneumonia. And I was like, man, like, I'm happy that the, the human world's starting to educate humans on it yeah. because it will eventually trickle into our world. But man, we get so many people through like on my line of work where people come through and they're like, my dog has kennel cough. I need antibiotics. And we're like, but you don't <laughs> like, nope. <laughs> Sorry but, guys. But it's a, it's a thing where they feel like they need to do something about it. Right. Like, yeah. they feel like if they just sit there and watch their dog cough and like hack up white phlegm and stuff like that, like they feel helpless. They can't do anything about it. So there are things that we can talk to uh, clients about doing at home. Right. So there is supportive therapy. So we can do steam therapy where we just put a dog in a hot steamy bathroom for 10 to 15 minutes. And that increased humidity and steam will help break up any congestion in the chest while also soothing that respiratory tract as well. Mm -hmm. Just like when we're sick, right. We tend to put on a humidifier or something trapping a dog in a room with a humidifier is also this achieving the same goal mm-hmm. or um, using if you do have a nebulizer because I know some people will have nebulizers for their kids like mm-hmm. if they have asthma kids or they have asthma themselves they'll have nebulizers but you can get nebulizers pretty inexpensively um but that's usually not needed for the simple ones <laughs> we usually no. recommend that for the ones that are you know being difficult to get rid of and and you can get them pretty inexpensive online yeah and then just like in humans too like warm water and some honey can also help soothe an irritated respiratory tract again this is diabetic esophagus though (laughs) and it's not going down the trachea please make sure members don't think that a dog needs to inhale it's just to help soothe any irritation it's almost like it does play a role right because if we cough a lot then there is irritation elsewhere Mm -hmm from excessive coughing but it, it it's it's not going to soothe the trachea <laughs> like right. it's a, um but it but it can be helpful and again it's one of those tools that just makes a, a client feel like they're helping and they're doing something right mm-hmm. we don't typically recommend like coupaging or anything for this because like again that's more for pneumonia when you do have like buildup of just junk and debris in in the bottom of your lungs and you just need to help break up that congestion and mucus because kennel cough tends to be more higher up in the airway or respiratory tract, coupaging isn't really going to do much, but still suggest also like keeping a pet quiet, right? The more active they are and the more excited, excitable they get, the more coughing that they're going to do. So we do want to limit activity and we want to remove any collars and switch to a harness if possible. So there are just minor things that don't really seem like a big deal, but often get skipped over because it is almost so simple that you feel like a a client could easily just think to take a collar off and then like reduce coughing (laughs) but 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 again 
it's just trying to think of those little ways to help a member, like a client feel like they're doing something for their pet while they watch their pet get over kennel cough. Mm-hmm. Um, if again, antibiotics are used, it's usually recommended after a culture and sensitivity. And then, um, or if there's signs of pneumonia, then of course we're going to start antibiotics. If there are signs of pneumonia though, we don't typically start cough suppressants just because that is contraindicated again, because usually there's like a buildup of junk in the bottom of the lungs and you want that to come out. So you don't want to suppress coughing and leave all that mucus and stuff sitting in there. Mm-hmm. So you, that is why antitussos are contraindicated in pneumonia patients, but in mild cases of kennel cough and antitussos are appropriate because again, we want to suppress that coughing and reduce irritation and inflammation to the respiratory tract because it can be a vicious cycle. The more they cough, the more irritation, the less, the longer it's going to take for them to heal. Yeah. And then like antivirals, um, you know, you want to make sure that you've, you've, you, the te- they've tested positive for a virus before doing an antiviral. And even, even then do sometimes they help and sometimes they don't. So it's, mm-hmm. you know, it is an option, but it's not one that we typically go to and we're like, okay, now time for some antivirals. So, well, cause realistically it's hard to tell if an antiviral is helping, right. Or right. body like eliminating the virus. Yeah, exactly. Uh, some pets do require hospitalization, but oftentimes that is once it progresses to a pneumonia and then those pets specifically should be isolated away from other animals in the hospital <laughs> again, because it is highly contagious. It's easy to transmit to other, other pets, even if they're on separate cage banks on separate right? walls, like <laughs> it's still not quite far enough. And again, because this is an infectious agent, any team member, tech assistant, anybody who is handling that patient should not handle any other patients that. And wear your PPE and all that fun yep. stuff. Cause in t- so fun fact, didn't know this, but, um, if you have respiratory compromise, um, you potentially could actually get Bordetella. Isn't that crazy? I learned that. And I was, I was like, like what? <laughs> I got all my immune issues because I made a joke yeah. about it. Yeah. So technically wear proper PPE when dealing with respiratory dogs. Um, so there are other diseases that are going to be zoonotic that cause mm-hmm. coughing. So until you have a definitive diagnosis, it's an, and you have respiratory like sensitivity, then just wear a mask. Like, I mean, most of us are, well, some of us are still wearing masks in hospital anyways. So, you know, it's totally fine to wear a mask and protect yourself from any potential yeah. zoonotic diseases. Oh yeah, absolutely. I did learn that though. Cause I made a joke about how I have like feline asthma because my allergies oh, to cat. Yeah. And then like when I learned about the Bordetella thing with my immune issues, so I was like, oh great. So I have feline asthma and I can get kennel cough. I was like, <laughs> you're like, sweet. <laughs> yeah. Uh, client communication, we kind of touched on a little bit of already, but like just kind of discussing vaccines, right. Can be a good starting point mm-hmm. of like client communication. Are all vaccines going to fully protect a pet? No, like, <laughs> right. It's just like for us with the flu vaccine, there's different variants. So like mm-hmm. they could pick up a different type Strain. of 
yeah, a different strain depending on the year. Um, but it's a good place to start, right? Like if everybody in a kennel is vaccinated, then it's less likely to occur. Um, there's, I've been out of general practice so long. I'm not sure of all the different Bordetella vaccines. Now, when I left general practice, there was injectable intranasal and oral. And I feel like that's kind of where it should be left, right? Like what else could you do? <laughs> That's so funny. Like when I left practice, it was injectable and nasal. We didn't have the oral one yet. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't think the oral is being used anymore. I haven't kept up on it too much, but I thought there was, I thought I saw some study about how the oral maybe wasn't as effective as the intranasal, which I mean, would make sense. Yeah. Like, yeah. You never know. I don't know. Someone can educate me on that. That's great. I'm not <laughs> to vaccines as I right. was. <laughs> we'll get someone who's really smart with vaccines to come talk about it sometime. Yeah. Like a clinical practice VTS or something. Ooh. Clinical practice and internal medicine VTS. I know one of those. Oh, yeah, I do too. <laughs> yeah, I was like, hmm. <laughs> I think we know a couple of them, don't we? Um, I think so. Yeah. 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 We might have to anyway. uh, put some feelers out there for people. Um, I think when it comes to client communication as well, because this is a self-limiting, usually virus, right? Or upper respiratory issue, right? We need to discuss that with members, right? It's often self-limiting. But if if clients are not seeing improvement or things are worsening, they need to know what to look out for, right? So they need to look out, they need to know to look out for uh, any nasal discharge or eye discharge. They need to look out for decreased appetite, lethargy, anything that might indicate a fever like panting, restlessness, hot ears. Uh, I love it when people come through my line of work and where they're, they're like, the nose is dry. And I'm like, that doesn't tell me anything. Right? <laughs> You're like, okay. Like, we you- can We can educate clients as to like what to expect, right? We should see symptoms resolving over the next five to seven days. Yeah. The cough is going to linger for a couple of weeks, but shouldn't worsen, right? It should gradually improve. We can do A, B, and C at home to help manage these symptoms. We recommend keeping your pet quiet for, you know, the next seven to 10 days. Sorry, little young lab puppies that can't stand that, but like, <laughs> seriously, it's going to help reduce the coughing, right? So, but again, educating a client onto what to expect if things aren't improving or when to actually come and maybe consider antibiotics, come back to the clinic and consider x-rays and antibiotics should be, should be discussed because these can progress into pneumonia. I've unfortunately seen it in like a puppy oh, once, yeah. and shepherd puppy once that got Bordetella then got really bad pneumonia. Yeah. Oh, it's so sad. It's the tip of the week. I think the steam therapy suggestion is a good tip of the week. Mm-hmm. I think another thing too, to kind of piggyback on the client education thing is, um, ha- like if you don't already have like a client education handout for kennel cough, creating one or, you know, going on the, the, some of the websites that are pretty common with like the Merck veterinary manual or, you know, um, VSPN, just look for, client education that you can give to clients about this, because it is, I feel like this is one of those things that's fairly common. And so if you have something that, you know, maybe has like a checklist thing for Mm -hmm. clients that says, these are things to look out for kind of like with Jordan in the waiting room, right? Like this is when we're not going to do antibiotics. If you notice it get to this point, 
we can consider antibiotics. So I think having something like that can help, um, can help just make sure that, you know, they're, they're going to be able to absorb that information. Cause I feel like sometimes we tell them all the stuff, but they're not paying attention in the room. <laughs> right. And then they leave and you're like, wow, you remembered 10% of what we just told you. Um, mm-hmm. so having that, that like handout to be able to either email them or give it to them right then and there. Yeah. Especially because huge. it's so common too, right? Yeah. Like it's going to save you a lot of time where you can kind yeah. of quickly go through things that they need to know in the room right so you do discuss it you should still mm-hmm. discuss it i would not 100%. just hand out to a client and then send them on their merry be way like bye <laughs> then hand them the client and be like i know it's gonna hard, be hard to like kind of remember everything we talked about here's a handout yeah. call if you have any questions yeah i would yeah give it to them a couple different ways <laughs> and now for the question of the week which human veterinary professional has been diagnosed with kennel cough? Oh, if you want to talk about it. <laughs> yeah, right? Right. But here's my thing. Would a human doctor actually, like for as many times as I've been to the doctor for possible zoonotic <laughs> they right. never know like what I'm talking about. I know, right? You're like, ugh. Yeah. So it's probably been missed several times. Right. Maybe that's what I have right now is kennel cough. Although I haven't been around kennel cough, so I can't, I don't think it's that. I think it's just allergies. Yeah, probably. Your guess's weather has been really weird, so I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, there's so much like things sprouting and blooming right now because of all the weather or the weather, all the water that we've had recently. So I'm just like, ugh. Your guys is part the of the season. Earth is like what is this wet stuff <laughs> right it's like i don't know we i'm must, just gonna slide with it it's fine we must flourish while we can <laughs> right oh my god so true i go through those phases too california don't you worry <laughs> <laughs> right oh yeah it's actually this week has been really nice it's been so sunny and pretty that i'm like oh but it's been cold it's like cold here too. it dropped probably 15 20 degrees so I'm like, I prefer the wet, the wet over the cold, cold that like it's, it's freezing outside. It's like in the 30, like low thirties. I'm just like, yeah, it was 34 here this morning when I went to the bus stop with Connor and I was like, ugh, yuck. Okay. Sorry. Everybody that lives in really cold places. I know. <laughs> like all the time. They're like, oh my God, that's like a really warm day. <laughs> okay. People in Alaska are like 34. That's summer. Right. Oh my God. So true. Sorry guys. <laughs> We're Where's Matt? Where's Matt sending us those old videos of, oh, of being locked in his Canada. room. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. So true. <laughs> uh well uh anything that's else all i got on board to tell the friends <laughs> the kennel golf um cool well if you have questions let us know um otherwise uh let's see um if you do want to come to the ce just go ahead and go to internal medicine for vet um there is uh if, on the top kind of right hand side in our menus there's there's a earn ce with us and if you if you click on some of those you'll find it the events page um and we'll we'll post our ce as well as our conferences that we'll be going to this year so we'd love to love to join you um and definitely say hi to us when you're when if you see us out in the wild because 
I don't know about you, but I'm going to some conferences this year that I know no one at. <laughs> so I'm just okay. like, hi, I'm going to be the I have been, I've already been reached corner. out to by a few people saying that they're going to Midwestern and want to nice. meet up. So. Awesome. One being our wonderful friend, Tabitha. Oh, you're going to see her at Midwest? She says she might be going, so she wants to catch coffee if we can. Nice. I think I'm going to see her at the Texas Texas Veterinary Medical Association Conference. <laughs> I was like, sweet. <laughs> so. All right, Bye, friends. Guys. I hope everybody has a great week. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to us. And I'll just know if you have any suggestions, topic ideas. Yeah, we've got a couple. Um, if you're in the membership, there is a form on the main membership dashboard too. So you can submit some topic ideas there. Um, we definitely would love it. Um, so, yeah. All right, guys. Well, have a wonderful day. It should be the beginning of February for you now, which, wow, I can't believe it's almost February. And um, we'll talk to you guys next week. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Internal Medicine for Vet Techs podcast. If you like what you heard, we'd love for you to share with someone you think might enjoy the podcast and make sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Want to give us a boost? Please leave a review on iTunes or your favorite podcatcher and we'll be sure to say thank you. Find out everything about us at internalmedicineforvettechs.com. Talk to you next week. Bye.